0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Henry Nichols at Football in DK. We're going to be doing a complete season preview for the Danish Superliga, which starts very, very soon this weekend, in fact. And uh, Henry, welcome. It's, it honestly feels like yesterday since you were last on the podcast doing this season review for Denmark. They don't have very uh, long of a break and um, I'm sure you're raring to go again
1: can't wait yeah uh with no no World Cup this summer it's nice that the the super league is is back so soon and yeah if it wasn't so swelteringly hot here in London I would be I'd be enjoying it a bit more I think but i'm I'm not really one for the heat so uh I'm gonna be watching it from um uh inside a cool room
0: it's going to get even hotter i think henry so um yeah watch out for that but yeah, in the meantime you've been a bit of a celebrity haven't you you've uh, seen you on the bbc seen you on the scouted football podcast as well you're um a big uh, star there now this uh, this <laughs> man sure. who's expert in 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 danish football i think you're doing a great job i'm not sure about that but i
1: i, I i'm certainly pleased that there's um uh, some some interest in danish football obviously uh, the bbc thing was just really brighton signed simon odinger from uh, fc Nordsjælland, and i guess one of the things about the danish league is that when um when a, a premier league team especially signs a, a a player from there most of the fans won't have seen the player play at all really uh maybe well, may, maybe once or twice in europe but so so simon odinger has arrived and Brighton fans don't really know what to expect so I was there to um <laughs> to tell them to to be excited really because he was certainly one of the shining lights of uh, of the Super League last season
0: well here we are to preview the 2022 2023 campaign the only mainstream league in Scandinavia that runs this format the season starts now has a winter break and, and through so without further ado it's time for your predictions Henry I'm going to ask you now to name the predicted champion for the upcoming season who are you going with
1: i am going for fc copenhagen to repeat their title triumph of last season um i think they are the strongest team still in the league uh, they haven't um haven't weakened considerably this this summer and i think they're looking very good to to retain that so they're my number one pick for this season.
0: Defending champions, like you say, 68 points last season, just four defeats. Um, For those who uh, might be even listening listening for the first time, um uh, you on the Nordic Football Podcast here about Danish football, FC Copenhagen are probably the biggest name in Scandinavia. But what sort of team are they these days? Who are some of their key players and what sort of style do they have?
1: Yeah, so they, they they have a coach called uh, Yes Thorup who um, has previously won the title with, with Michelin, Um and he's I, I would describe him as quite a sort of pragmatic coach. Um, doesn't uh, to, to, doesn't play the most sort of beautiful football, but certainly gets results. And if you look at how they performed last season, uh, they were the best defense, only conceded nineteen goals across the season. They were the second best attack; they scored fifty six um and he 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 goes for a kind of a 4-3-3 or um sometimes switches it up to a 4-2-3-1 uh and the way that they play is built on an incredibly solid defensive foundation you can you can see that in the in the statistics um but what's quite interesting is that they play uh they play very much a low block play very deep and usually when teams do that they they give up the um the ability to press, because that ends up leaving quite a lot of space. And actually, the interesting thing about his style is that they're, they're extremely effective uh, at pressing. There was a great article by Liam Miller in the playbook that I've uh, retweeted on my timeline, but um, it, it, it dug into some of the statistics and the attacking players at FC Copenhagen are ranked in the 97th percentile among all players in the league for, for pressing. Um, so they're, they're really, really aggressive at the front, but then the rest of the team plays quite deep. when they've got the ball, they're, they're quite patient. Um, they use overlapping fullbacks uh, a lot. Uh, Victor Christensen and Kevin Dix when both are fit, that they um, offer uh, incredible attacking outlet. Um, and yeah, that they they, uh, they just they just have quality front to back. Um, I guess uh, looking at some of the the key players, Kamil Grabara in goal you know he kept 23 clean sheets in 44 appearances he had the highest save percentage by some margin uh it was o- over 79 so having him in goal gives a real um presence uh in between the, the the sticks um and then I talked briefly about those fullbacks Victor Christensen on the left and Kevin Dix on the right Christiansen had an injury uh midway through last season that meant Kevin Dix had to go and play left back a lot towards the end of the season. And, you know, as a right-footed overlapping fullback, you know, he does his best stuff on the right. And I think that with Christensen now back fit, those two get to um, get to really uh, show what they're, show what they're best at um, in their favoured positions. And you've got Rasmus Falk, you know, a player who I admire very greatly uh, who, who sits in the middle of the park, dictating the play and, um, Aside from a few minutes, though, he was out from the end of August until February. So he was a quite a big loss uh, for for a large chunk of the season. I think the player who really kind of was at the, the centre of everything good that happened at FC Copenhagen last season was Pep Biel, the, the Spanish um, attacking midfielder. Uh, he had the most shots on target per 90, uh, and the most key passes per 90, um, across the whole league. And, you know, that translated into 15 goals and nine assists across all competitions. You know, he scored four in four Derby matches. And so he was really, it was really a, a standout season for him. Um, there's some talk about some Spanish teams being interested in him this summer, but he's a really integral part to, to how FC Copenhagen play. And he was, you know, very versatile. He can he can sort of play um, anywhere across the three attacking midfielder spots, and he even played it as a kind of false nine at times last season. Um, and then there's just there's a few players who I think could be key players next season, um, who who uh, we didn't get to see a huge amount of, but but showed some real promise. So Rooney. Bardaji, uh, a player who we're actually going to talk about later, so I won't, uh, I won't spoil that. But centre um, 16- watch spoiler
0: there,
1: <laughs> uh, a sixteen-year-old, um, very very exciting um, uh, right winger. Uh, then there's Akin Kun-Miyamu, um, who only managed sixty-three minutes last season. Um, he did score a goal in those sixty-three minutes, but I mean, given he signed in the January window uh, for a considerable fee, I think it was was it four million euros from hammerby um so he missed uh most of the season so I think he's he's a player who I'm really excited to see and I think could come back and uh, and offer something and then finally uh Victor Clayson um who was on uh, on loan um for uh for, since March I think and they've turned that into a permanent deal and yeah he he added a lot of um experience and a lot of class uh no pun intended um and so yeah he signed on a four-year deal so I think that's an important signing so r- really I think the only the only thing that I would say about FC Copenhagen is that they need a number nine you know they sold Jonas Wind in January uh and they brought in a, a number of players they brought in Nikolai Jorgensen who they've now released uh they brought in Kuma Babakar who was I think pretty effective. Uh, sorry, pretty ineffective. Um, and so I think they need a number nine, a, you know, someone who can chip in with um, 10, 15 goals. And I think that that would be the final piece of the puzzle.
0: FC Copenhagen are known uh, to, I'm sure, a lot across the world as you know, the biggest team in Denmark and some might even be listening and think oh this is the equivalent of you predicting psg to win the title in france but it's not as simple as that is it i mean if we look back at the last nine titles they've actually only won four of them which might be quite a low amount kind of compared to some other historical moments and the bookmakers basically have this as a two horse race between fck and and fc mitchell i'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute if if fc Perth and are going to have a sort of a weak point this year, or any concerning aspects. What, what would it potentially be, or do you think they've literally got all bases covered?
1: I think it's, I think it's just that number nine spot. Um, you know, if you if you if you look at what uh, Jonas Wynn contributed um, in the in the kind of uh, six months that he was there, uh, in terms of goals and assists, it was more than all of the replacements uh, put together. Um, so h- his output is that they haven't managed to address that uh in the signings they've made so far and so I think that having a yeah having a number nine who who can uh who can really sort of be the focal point of that attack uh and take some of the pressure off the midfield to to come up with the goals I think that's going to be um fundamental uh and I'm sure that that's something that they're going to try and address
0: well you are predicting them to win the title and um Second place, you have predicted FC Mitchelland. Now, uh, how close do you see this title race going, Henry? Do you think uh, FC Copenhagen are going to win it with a bit to spare or are Midtjylland going to push them all the way?
1: I think a lot depends on how the rest of the window pans out. Um, I, you know, We talked about Pet BL, for example. Uh, there's also um, Evander for for FC Mitchelland, And I think that... Um, you know, I wouldn't say the title race hinges on those two, but they're going to they're going to be a, a a big part of it. And um, you know, I saw some rumors going around today about Evander possibly possibly going to Galatasaray, and so I think if they were to lose him, that would be massive. You know, he was the third top scorer in the league last season with with twelve goals, and he got six assists as well. He was second in terms of chances created and big chances created. So he's just he's just such an important player to them. Um, and, yeah, offers so much uh, going forward that I think that it's a, it would leave a big hole to fill. Uh, you, you know, one of the questions I have is, you know, can they get a tune out of Max Meyer? We talked about him coming in in January, obviously quite a big name, um, quite high uh, expectations for, for, you know, the, the, the potential he still has, uh, and we really haven't seen much from him. I'm guessing that he would be one of the players to, who would be, you know, potentially stepping up into that position if Evander did move on. So uh, a lot hinges on um, someone being able to replace that output. Uh, similarly for Pep BL. Uh, so t- to answer your question, <laughs> I think that it's still going to be quite a tight title race. You know, both teams have quality and depth. Uh, both teams have uh, the, the kind of sidetrack of Europe. And the, they are the two strongest squads in the league, so I I, I can still see it being close. I, I don't think it'll be more than a six point gap uh, come the end of the season. Um, but yeah. I think I, I think that you know we still have uh, what is it six weeks, seven weeks left of the market. Um, so I think that a lot could still change between now and then, which is why it's quite difficult doing this preview show with with so much uh, so many questions
0: still unanswered. I was thinking this, actually, of all the leagues, probably even around the world, it's probably one of the hardest, isn't it? Because you've got a, a transfer window here, one month between the two campaigns. And then you've got, you know, winter windows as well. Things are less clearer, I always I think, here. There's going to be a lot of chops and changes. So, yeah, it's a difficult sort of preview to do. And you were totally right that it's according to Transfer Marks, total market value of the two teams here. This Is always a rough guide, but 55 million for FCK and 50 million for FC Mitchell the next closest is Brondby, uh, which is 25 million total market value. It kind of just shows you, you know, just the amount of foreigners in these two squads as well is much more compared to other teams in the league. And and overall squad size is much higher. Michelin's official squad size is 37, according to transfer marks. Um, so we're gonna talk about FC Mitchell. Now, second place last year, they were the they last won the title in the 1920 campaign so tell us a bit more about this side um, they'll be desperate to try and um, recoup that uh, gold medal won't they Henry
1: yeah absolutely I mean they're an extremely dangerous team offensively uh, you know last season most goals most shots most shots on target highest shots on target percentage most penalties so they're going forward they're they're brilliant um they play a, a quite an attacking three four3. Uh, and at the centre of that four in midfield is um, this dynamic duo of Raphael, uh, Onyadika and Devanda uh, And those two worked so well together. Uh, th- it was the first season that they were playing together um, in, in midfield. And yeah, th- that worked really nicely. And actually, looking at the championship round, Michelin only lost once, uh, which was a 1-0 loss to, to FC Copenhagen last-minute goal. Um, but they, they finished the season quite strong. So... I, I, that that's what how they were able to run FC Copenhagen so close um in terms of kind of the the moves they've made this the, this summer they um uh, they made quite an expensive signing last summer uh, a guy called Maroni from um from Brazil that I believe they paid four or 5 million euros for, which is a, a huge fee by, by super league standards. Uh, and he arrived with, you know, big fanfare. And he, that's a move that didn't work out. He's gone back to Brazil, I believe initially on loan. I think he's gone to Fluminense. Um, so that, yeah, that, that, that was a bit of a mistake, but one of the, one of the positive, uh, moves is they managed to secure the permanent signing of, um, of Drea, uh, who's a player that they had at the beginning of last season sold to, um, I believe it was Ruben Kazan and uh, he came back on loan at the end of last season and really was a kind of shot in the arm for them looked looked fantastic um and yeah he's um he was the leader last season in, in goals and assists per per 90 um with the only player to to have more than one uh, goal and assist per 90 so he's really important they've managed to to bring him in on a full-time deal and to be honest I was kind of surprised by that because he 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 went to the Russian league and and looked really good, and uh, I'm I'm just surprised that he's he hasn't had a, an offer to to uh, to go to a kind of like a top five European league, uh, but their loss is um, Michelin's gain. So uh, yeah, he's going to be really important. And I guess the, the question is just how do you fit in for wingers at the moment where they've got they've got uh, Drea. Chilufia Isaacson and Pione Sisto and I I think the answer is going to be Pione Sisto is going to be moved on um but yeah that that they've uh they've they've made a couple of interesting additions uh this summer they also uh signed a center back called Gartenman from uh who was that the leader in interceptions last season so yeah I think they've um they've retooled they're gonna uh lick their wounds having missed out on the league you know they did win the cup which was a a nice way to finish the season so yeah i think they're going to be raring to go and they actually kick off uh, on the opening day
0: on friday i'm just looking at some of their uh, transfers here and uh, there's a striker i used to follow in france called sorry cabba who's come back from a loan spell in uh, belgium and uh, I don't know whether he's expected to play much of a part this year, this season or not. He was a shambles at Dijon back in the day. If I'm just looking now. Apparently, a Belgium side called uh, Louvain—I think that's how you pronounce them—nearly paid a million pounds for a loan fee for him last season. He actually scored ten goals. In fairness for uh, for them, but uh, I don't know if he's going to come back and play any part this season, Henry. I,
1: I I think I'm right in saying he he scored. Was he the top scorer the the previous season for 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 Michelin? I think he was. He has
0: yeah he's he's, he's obviously got a history of scoring goals since uh, moving to Michelin. so we're yeah I I
1: I think I saw uh I think I saw he was back in training uh, at Michelin. so that it might be that they use him uh, in rotation with uh, Bramado at the number 9 position. Uh yeah um uh, it it seems strange that he went on loan last season rather than um either keep him or sell him but um I guess that's L- loans are becoming more of the uh uh
0: more of the game these days. Yeah they certainly are so uh, compa- comparing to the two sides here then FCK and, and Micheland where where do you see FCK sort of having the edge overall? Is it defensive areas you think that they've got at the edge over Mitchell
1: yeah I think so and I I I, th- I, I mean Mitchell have uh Mid-Junland do still have a good defense. Um you know, guys like Eric Sviatchenko are just absolute rocks at the back. I think goalkeeper is a position that I'm still not fully sold on the options at, at Mitchelland, um, and I think that that's an area where where FC Co are really uh, streaks ahead. Um, and I also think that the the, the fact that um, you've got such a, a a kind of a strong defensive spine uh, at Copenhagen kind of gives them the opportunity to. Uh, to, to build from that, you know, if you, if you get twenty three clean sheets in forty four appearances, which is what Grabara got, you know, that that's the that's the basis for a title winning team every time. And uh, I think Mitchelland will always score goals, um, but I think that sometimes, yeah, that they're they're left wanting a little bit defensively.
0: Okay, so you're producing F C Copenhagen to win the league, F C Mitchelland in second place. That pretty much goes with. Other bookmakers expect it. uh, It's looking at Unibet prices here. A clear third favourite in their market, and that is Brunby, a six to one shot. Um, Presumably, you've got them in third place, Henry. Uh,
1: I do not, actually. Uh, Wow, wow. I thought I'd roll the dice on this one uh, and stick my neck out a little bit. Um, No, in third place, I've got Alborg, Uh, who's a team that really fell away at the back end of last season. I think that they they finished in fifth and I don't think they were in fifth throughout the entire championship group until the final day. Um, and they obviously then went on to lose the European playoff. So it was really a disastrous end to the season for them. But I think that missing out on Europe is going to give them the edge in this, uh, in this battle for, for third place. Um, Bromby of course have European football, uh, Silkeborg have European football. And so I feel that Alborg who, uh, sort of poached v manager, Lars Fries midway through the season. So Fries has had, you know, half a season to kind of get his feet under the desk. Um, he's uh, obviously been behind a couple of key signings um, this summer. And I think that his very kind of attractive style of football, that um, he's, he kind of favours a 3-4-1-2 generally, um, uh, or a 3-4-3, uh, depending on how they set up. But yeah, he he, he plays this kind of very uh, attractive style of football and and Alborg have several quite sort of dynamic attacking midfielders in, in Luca Prip, Ivor Fossum, uh, Kasper Kusk, um, and uh, a, a real fullback threat, particularly on the right um, uh, with uh, Pallison. And then one of the best defensive midfielders in the league in, in Pedro Ferreira, kind of anchoring in midfield. Um, the, the the sort of that the cause for concern was me that they had um, one of the lowest shots on target per game tally last season. Uh, they were ninth, um, but on the flip side, they had the highest shot conversion rate. Uh, they were first in the league at that nine point four, so nine point four percent, so extremely cl- clinical. Um, and yeah I, j- I just think that they've got quite a settled lineup I like the additions they've made they signed Alan Sousa uh, from uh, Viler, who was you know one of my favorite players in the league um, had a poor season last season but he's exactly the sort of player that I think will flourish in this system um, and uh, also signed Lars Kramer from from Vborg who's a player that obviously Lars Fries knows very well. I think if they can um if they can straighten out some of the discipline problems they had last season they were the team with the most red cards and the third most yellows um and uh, and fouls i think if they can sort that out um then i think that they're going to be well placed to uh to finish third you know they've got plenty of players who can score goals uh luca prip obviously last season um narrowly missed out on being the league's top scorer but he got 14 goals and four assists but then you know, Ivor Fossum popped up with eight goals, Kasper Kusk, four goals. And I think when you throw Alan Souza in there as well, and the fact that um, their number nine Milan Makaric uh, seems to be scoring some goals, um, I think that that's quite a, a compelling um, case for, a, a, for for finishing third or or, or mm. perhaps fourth, but I'm putting my neck on the line and saying third.
0: I like uh, a bold prediction, uh, Henry. We do like a bold prediction on this show. They don't always go to plan. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I do like that. And our last freeze, of course, was one of your um, best-rated managers last year in the season review podcast. Also, you had Alba. It was one of the flops of the season, didn't you? (laughs) It was an interesting mix. But they... um... Just tell us a little bit bit more about this manager. And I would recommend um, anyone interested in a little bit more could actually... Uh, listen to the season review podcast episode we did a few weeks ago. But last freeze, what is to like about him and the style for the neutral?
1: Yeah, so he he's um uh, interesting in that he he wasn't uh, he wasn't a professional player, uh, and I think that that's uh, that's that's quite unusual in Denmark uh and he started his career at mitchelland um and he's been at a couple of other clubs along the way as as an assistant he also i think spent a year at brentford interestingly but he um he was in charge of vborg and uh particularly at the start of the season vborg were uh one of the teams who were really kind of catching people's eyes um they uh they were promoted um only last season and play this real sort of like swashbuckling style of attacking football um making um huge use of fullbacks uh and they had a big number nine in Sebastian Groning up front um and yeah that Lars Fries was a, a kind of larger than life character on the on the touchline. um and the the football he had them playing as a promoted team, you know, uh, really kind of taking the game to to other teams, not sort of sitting back and um, playing for a uh, you know playing for a goalless draw. Really trying to attack uh, even the biggest teams. And uh, okay, sometimes that that was their undoing. But um, I can see why uh, when um, Marty uh, Sifuentes went uh, went over to Sweden, I can see why they moved for him because I think that he's uh, he's the perfect example of a a, a kind of Reasonably young, he's in his mid forties. Up and coming manager who who's proven what he can do at, uh, at Viborg, which was his first, you know, full managerial job. Uh, and yeah, he's been handed the reins at, at Alborg, who are uh, you know a big club in Denmark.
0: Just looking at some of their signings here, they brought in uh, Kilian Ludwig from uh, Red Bull Salzburg. It's like they're selling to everyone this summer. Um, <laughs> So yeah some some pleasure yeah, I don't really know too much. Are you happy with their transfer business overall? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think um uh I, th- I think Alan Souza and uh, and Lars Kramer are two two great signings. I think that uh w- one of the big departures is um Jakob Rinner, uh the, the goalkeeper who was um I think we talked about him a little bit in the the season review, but he was probably the the second second best keeper uh in the league last season. And so losing him uh, is a, a big loss. Um, they they have brought in a keeper, but uh, it remains to be seen whether he's going to be up to the, the, the kind of the the level that
0: Jakob Rinna set last season. So third place prediction for Arborg this season, who are you going with in fourth place, Henry?
1: In fourth place, I've got Silkeborg. Uh, and actually this is, uh, it, I, I seem to be in the minority predicting Silkeborg to have another an, another solid season. Um, I think because they're in the the, the Europa League, um, and they're, they're a team that had uh, th- that used almost a, a comically small number of players last season. Um, you, you know that they, they made the fewest subs in the league. They they used the fewest players uh, of of any team in the league, and each of their subs also played the the fewest minutes so they're a team that um uh, is extremely set on its uh, starting 11 and coped quite well with one game a week so i think how that translates into two games a week is a big unknown uh what i would say though is that outside of the top two and even in some cases including the top two they played by far and away the most attractive football last season uh and it wasn't just attractive it was extremely um efficient it was extremely uh, potent in terms of the, the goals, um, and it's it's such a uh, you can you can tell the players fit the system absolutely perfectly. They play this very consistent four three three with a deep lying central midfielder uh, in Mark Brink, two inverted wingers in Nikolai Valleys and Sebastian Jorgensen, and then a central number nine uh, in um, Nicholas Helenius uh and their style is incredibly high high possession so they're the highest possession team in the league uh they were last season uh they play the most passes uh by some distance um and have the highest pass success rate so that they make 526 passes uh per game i think and the next place team was was 409 um they they keep it on the they keep it on the deck uh the fewest crosses uh per match so like they yeah, they have they have a, a really really efficient style, um, and they're also extremely well disciplined. So they make the fewest fouls, uh, the fewest yellow cards, um, and they're also the fewest offsides. So the players are extremely well drilled, um, extremely uh, capable at what they're doing. And yeah, when you look across the, the the squad, it's you know they haven't sold any of their stars yet. Uh, again that will change things but I think if they can keep this squad together uh just the, the sheer volume of chances they were making uh that the the quality of their passing um and the uh, amount of goal threat they have um scattered throughout the the the, the attacking options I think I can see them uh, I can see them having another strong season uh, I, ju- I just don't see how they can drop off performance-wise so considerably to to rule them out of uh, the top six. And I think that actually fourth, probably if they can keep that squad together, uh, is, is going to be realistic.
0: Well, I'll say one thing here, Henry, just looking at in terms of estimated budgets for the league, and it looks like they've possibly got the fourth or fifth worst budget. You know, this is the story of a club last, who last season were one of the favourites for relegation, of course, and managed to shock everyone by finishing third. So do you kind of worry that they've climbed that Everest? They've almost had a, a freak season um, and there will be a drop-off.
1: Yeah, I think there's the, the, there's always the, the, the case that, you know, when a team is promoted, the other teams have less knowledge of how they play and the sort of... Um, uh, Maybe get caught out by I don't know a player that they don't consider to be dangerous, uh, and after a season that sort of um, novelty factor wears off. But I just think that this wasn't a coincidence. You know, they they got third on merit. That uh, there weren't sort of smash and grab games. They were they were outplaying teams consistently, and um, you know they didn't have players who were massively outperforming their xG and things like that. Uh, and, and i think that when you just almost every statistic uh shows them in a really favorable light uh, and you know th- that's borne out by what what i've seen on the pitch um so yeah I, I i think had 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 they changed manager had they lost um one of their their sort of key three or four players then perhaps but i, I yeah just i
0: honestly i just don't see it well, again, a very brave prediction, some might say here, Henry, but you've got Siltborg in fourth place. I've noticed there's very, very little ins or outs from this team right now. And you do say there might be some concerns about keeping that squad together. But I guess we don't really know, do we, until you know, the start of September?
1: It, exactly. And I guess some players might be hanging on to see, You know, are we going to make it into the Europa League or are we going to drop down into the Conference League? Um, but I think that Kent Nielsen, uh, the manager there has a huge amount of respect and a great connection with the squad. And I don't know, looking at lots of the the profiles there, there, th- uh, I, I can't see why lots of the lots of them wouldn't benefit from another season under his tutelage, you know, playing in Europe, showing that they're not a, a flash in the pan and that they, they can do this consistently. And I think that the, you know, I think, I think that the quality of, uh, Offers that those players are going to get after a, a second season, particularly playing in Europe, I think will be um, considerably higher than than what would be on the table this summer. So I think that it suits everyone to uh, to, to stick around for another year. But uh, I mean, maybe I'm just saying that because uh, I want I, I want to see them next uh,
0: next season in the Super League. What is a good season for them? Do you think what do they, what will their fans expect? What does the media expect? I think if they can cement a. a
1: cement themselves as a, a top six team again, um, and get, uh, well, e- either get into the group stage of the Europa league or get into the, the knockout stages of the, uh, the conference league. I think that that would be extremely successful, uh, maybe go on a run in the cup too. Uh, but I, I think that if they can, um, show that the, this, that last season wasn't a fluke and that they are, uh, a top six team. Um, I think that'd be amazing. I mean, g- given, uh, Last season, they uh, they spent zero in transfers. Uh, I think that it's a remarkable story. And yeah, long may it continue.
0: Now then, Brundby fans, we haven't forgotten about you. Um, they are the third favourites for the bookies this season, but you are predicting, Brundby, the champions of the 2020-2021 campaign, down as low as fifth, which I'm guessing in a lot of quarters might seem low Let's start with the negatives, uh, Henry, here. What, what what worries about you What worries you about Brunaby this season that you feel that... Uh, I mean, I say a drop-down. They actually only as high as fourth last year, so it's only one space down. But I guess there might be some people expecting them to be almost a dark horse, maybe to even title challenge. So what do you see that's wrong about this team?
1: Right. Well, um, bear in mind that they started last season still with uh, Mikel Jura. Uh, who was the the previous season's top scorer, um, and y- you know ha- had 11 goals uh, in the first half of the season? Um, wh- he was topping the charts of the the goal scoring uh, this season before he departed for MLS. Uh, and if you look at what the what his replacements um, in a, in attack for for Bromby put together, bearing in mind, so so Jura got 11 goals. If we look at what. Uh, Divkovic got one goal. Headland four goals. Grev, one goal. Bjork, no goals. Pavlović no goals. Uh, you don't need to be a mathematician to see that's six goals from five players, uh, which doesn't get anywhere close to, to replacing the output from Mikhail Jura. So my big worry for, for Bromby is who's going to score the goals. Um, they finished last season, I believe, with a negative goal difference. And yeah, that really just talks to their their, their struggle. Uh, f- f- th- th- their season w- was kind of strange because from late September they went on this uh, run that saw them go unbeaten for twelve games, uh, which, which was um, pretty incredible. But then they lost seven straight. So how do you go from going unbeaten for twelve games to then losing seven straight? And uh, really, kind of up until that losing run, they'd mostly played with a three-five-two. Then they started experimenting with a 3-4-3 uh before settling on something like a three uh sorry, a four-three, one-two. Um and that they play quite a, a long ball style, uh, which is unusual for the league. Um, you know, they had more accurate long balls than any team, uh, 34 per match. Uh they were the most crosses uh per game uh, and the highest cross accuracy. And one of the you asked me about my concerns. One of the concerns that I have is that only Silkeborg made fewer subs last season. So the, the, I don't think they've got the quality in terms of like the broader squad to support uh, a, a kind of a European campaign uh, on top of a title challenge. And I have real concerns about the uh, like who's going to score the goals, basically. Yeah. Let's
0: talk about the manager because they do have one of the longest serving managers in the league, don't they? um he's been at the club for quite some time
1: yeah he has uh niels frederickson um and I, I think that he's got uh you know quite a lot of um of goodwill still from uh for, from winning the title uh and was uh, obviously came with a came with great reputation you know he'd been um, a manager of the the denmark under 21 team um and yeah uh he he's he, he's only been at Bromby since 2019 though uh, so I I'm not sure if he's the I don't think he's the longest serving manager
0: there. That is still quite some time in footballing terms, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, he's obviously he's won, won that title. Last year wasn't so good for them. What do they what what would they need to do in the transfer market to convince you that they're gonna get back into the top three?
1: Yeah, so I I think that. They need to they need to add some some goal threat. Um, so either players like Headland and Grev are gonna are gonna have to start chipping in with more goals, uh, and it's certainly possible. Both of them have it in them. Just weren't really producing last season. I think a lot hinges on uh, Mateus Chris uh, Mateus Chris Garden. Uh, he's a twenty year old striker. Looks really exciting. Um, he scored four goals in the last 10 rounds. So like the championship round, uh, and he's a, a a really exciting striker. He likes to drift, right? But he's a great dribbler. You know, he can receive the ball and run at a defense, but he's also got really smart off the ball movement, um, for a player under six foot. He's a great header of the ball. Uh, and I think more than anything, the fact that he does a, a multiple somersault celebration, uh, that's the sign of an elite player. I can't think of a, I can't think of an elite player who does, uh, sorry, I can't think of a non-elite player who does a somersault celebration. Can you? Somersault
0: celebrations. I mean, they've always wowed me, you know, (laughs) I could never do, I can't even do a forward roll, Henry.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, if that's not, if that's not a sign that he's destined for the top, I'm not sure what is. Um, But no, I think, uh, you know, Bromby have got uh, a great player in, in Chris Garden um he needs to show that over a whole season uh, but they, 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 they've got him they've got a great uh, goalkeeper in Mads Hermanson um and they've got some they've got some parts of the team that I think are a solid but th- there isn't the strength in depth there isn't the goal scoring threat and I think that um there are a couple of players that may uh again again we're saying this about almost every team but there's a few players that may go out the door um in particular their captain uh Maxo uh, and if he if he goes it leaves a big hole in the center of defense uh, that they're gonna need to plug as well so I, I just wonder if there's too much to do in the market for them to to, to be uh, credible title challenges um but they do have uh they do have a, a sprinkling of quality throughout uh throughout the squad
0: now for those who don't know brunby of course are located on the western suburbs of copenhagen they've got a massive rivalry with fck it's the big rivalry isn't it in in Danish football Henry and um I mean for the neutrals what's what's the sort of the main difference between the two clubs who should you be supporting as a neutral which would you sort of lean towards which of the two teams do you prefer Henry if you don't mind (laughs) you can say would you dare even answer that one
1: it's a bit dangerous to to answer (laughs) that one I think um but uh no uh I I've so I've written an article about this on my website, uh, on football in go check it out. Uh, where, I, where I've interviewed, um, fans from kind of both sides to, to sort of get a perspective of, you know, what does it mean to them? Um, you know, FC Copenhagen, obviously a relatively new team in terms of, you know, only formed in 92. Uh, but that's, that th- there's been, uh, plenty of opportunity for drama over the years and, uh, and plenty of opportunity for resentment to build between them. Um, I mean, I, I think I've said it before. You know, I do have a bit of a soft spot for FC Copenhagen. Uh, they were—they were the, you know, they were the first team that I watched in Denmark. Um, Thomas Delaney was what sort of got me into to watching the Superliga in the first place. Um, but I, I think that, you know, um, c- c- certainly speaking to, to fans from 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 both sides, I think it's uh, it, it, it's kind of different for. For us, who who are on the other side of uh, of the North Sea, you know, uh, as you as you'll know from supporting a, an English team, rivalries like that are really kind of lived by the people uh, up close and you know in the city and ha- who have to turn up to work and and uh, and face their foes the day after a derby day. But I'm I'm really looking forward to going out there in uh, in August and experiencing it for the first time. Um, and yeah, I, w- I would urge anyone who's not watched it to uh, t- to watch that that fixture uh, in the, the the first or second weekend of, of August. Um, and yeah, <laughs> d- d- decide d- decide m- maybe read the article on my website. Decide which team appeals to you more. And uh, yeah, sit down and, and watch a f- fantastic derby that is tr- you know truly one of the the spectacles of world football.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's got a sort of similarities to maybe even Ranger Celtic, something like that. Two big clubs from one city, and um, you you know better than me about winning and losing a a city derby, Henry. You know, we don't really have any uh, you know as a, as a one club city here in Leeds. Yeah, we've 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 had our losses to somewhere like Barnsley or Hull, but I guess it doesn't quite hurt as much as if it was another club within the same city. So. um Yeah, it's a fascinating rivalry there between Brundby and FC Copenhagen. You're predicting Brundby for fifth spot this year, and the top the top five positions uh, are all teams that were in that top five last year, in whatever order. But your sixth spot here, Henry, is going to be a different team compared to last year's table.
1: Yep, Uh, and again, uh, tricky to tricky to pick who's going to break into the the top six, but. The way that they rounded off the season, I've put Odense in there. Um,
0: Just before Ma- we go into Odense, I'd better describe what actually happens in this league because there's a split. It's like um, Scotland, isn't it? After 22 matches, the top six get split into the championship group and then the bottom six into the relegation group. And then they play each other twice more to get an overall um, games played of 32 I'm Ex- right insane, yeah.
1: Exactly, spot on, yeah. And so you will hear uh Super League of fans talking about top 6 uh because that's the that's the key to get yourself into the championship group and then anything is possible uh because you're you're just playing the other teams in that group uh, and it also means uh if you just sneak into the top 6 it means that you've avoided relegation uh with certainty with uh with 10 games to go which is quite nice. Um so yeah I have predicted uh Odense to to be that team to sneak into the top 6 they're managed by uh Andreas Alm who's uh formerly of Ikor and uh, uh and Hacken so will be known to to listeners of the Nordic football podcast um and yeah he 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 plays a uh, t- typically a 4231 mm-hmm. uh, very kind of possession led football um with a a, a kind of a low block preferred to a high press. Uh, In fact, they were the lowest possessions one per 90 in the final third uh, team last season. So uh, really not a a team that presses from the front. Uh, But I was really impressed by how they kind of kicked on in the second half of the season. Um, You know, in the relegation round, they were unbeaten until the final game of the season. Uh, And so, yeah, I I, I, I just have a a sneaking suspicion that they're going to... nab that sixth spot uh, but it's not without some reservations who've been their key transfers in and out so far um that's a good question uh well i think that one of the one of the key players who uh who, who i've uh, i'm actually going to speak about later but um one of the key players actually came in january was uh mihailo ivancevic uh, a, a serbian center back and you know typically you know when you're coming from uh coming from a a, a, a a non-danish league um it takes it can take players a little bit of time to sort of get their uh, legs under the table get used to the league get used to the, the uh, the, the, all of the dynamics of, of playing in a new country, uh, and so having had that six months, uh, I think that he's really kind of like bedded in nicely now, and is start starting to show some some real quality. And I think that he's going to be kind of linchpin of that that Odense defense, and you know potentially uh, by the end of the season, one of the top defenders in the league so yeah i think that he's been really important um in terms of their summer dealings um they actually have just announced the signing today uh which is a center back from hammerby um not someone i know a a great deal about um but kind of adds uh some experience and some uh and some depth uh to, to the position there um which is which is quite important that um, there were times last season uh, where, where they um, played, uh, I can never pronounce this, but um, Sevakov uh, at centre, at centre-back. And I think that, you know, there's a, a chance that he might be used slightly further up the pitch this season, but yeah, um, Bjorn, uh, Bjorn Paulson, it was from, um, uh, from Hammerby who, who's come in at centre-back uh, and, um yeah, that I, I think that there's uh there's still some deals to be done at Odents. Uh there's, you know, obviously a long time left in the window. Um but they uh they've added some interesting pieces. Uh and so yeah, I I, I think that I think that six sixth might be a stretch for them, but I'm I'm tipping them to do it. Um I, I, I think what they need to what they need to iron out is um the fact that they only scored more than two once last season. And that was in like a six nil thrashing of, of Viola. Um, and I guess the flip side of that coin is that they only conceded more than two, uh, on three occasions. So, you know, they don't score a huge amount of goals. They don't concede a huge amount of goals. Um, I do still have some concerns about the keeper, uh, the fact they were the, the, the team who, uh, uh, that they were fourth in terms of most goals conceded. And, um, had the lowest save percentage of teams that stayed up uh and the joint fewest clean sheets so yeah i i, I do have concerns about uh, uh about the keeper uh and uh, i i guess uh defensively more broadly but i think that they've uh i think that they've got enough quality to uh to challenge for that top six spot
0: yes uh, very well said there so dense is your prediction for sixths and uh Talk us through that uh, round-up, the prediction for the top six again, uh, Henry, before we have a little break here.
1: Yeah, so we've got uh, FC Copenhagen uh, finishing first. Uh, hot on their heels, FC Midtjylland, um, followed by uh, Alborg under Lars Fries. Um I think Silkeborg will then uh, get into fourth place, followed by Bronby in fifth. And Odense uh, sneaking into the best of the rest uh, and, and getting a spot in the championship group, um, powered by the goals of Issam Jabali and Jakob Broim.
0: Brilliant. Well, we'll take a break now and uh, when we return, we'll talk about the bottom half of the table and also Henry's ten to watch for the upcoming season. Join us in a little bit. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast and we've got a Danish Super League uh, season preview with myself, Steve Wiss and Henry Nichols. So, we've done the top six. Let's have a look at some teams that might push um, Brunby and Art Dents for a spot in that championship group, perhaps. Randers um, Randers in seventh place. Now, do you think there are a realistic chance of of getting into that top six then or is it going to be a clear split here? So,
1: I think that I think that they've they've got one of the best managers in the league in um, uh, th- Thomas Thomasberg, um, and yeah, th- they obviously came off the back of, uh, of quite a strong showing in Europe last season. But I think that ultimately finishing sixth was a bit of a disappointment. That you know they only won three of their final ten in the championship group, and you know really it was that kind of run in the final ten that cost them you know, fifth would have been enough to get a spot in the European playoff. And, yeah, know, on top of that, they've lost a couple of key players in um, uh friend of the show, Vito Hammershoi-Mistrati, uh, but also uh, Simon Piesinger, the, the centre-back. And I think that, you know, Vito was really the only attacker who who stayed fit for the whole season, uh, and he's obviously departed. And uh, Piesinger was, you know, a really key part of that defence and a, a really adept passer from the back and he's gone. Replacing those two uh, are going to be tricky, but n- not just because they're great players, but it also means that that Randers will have lost two captains uh, inside a year uh, because obviously Eric Markson departed in January to, to Norgeland. So the, the, the question is, can they, can they replace them? I think that one of the big stories of, of Randers last season was the fact that they were just absolutely clobbered by injuries, especially in attack. You know, if you look at their their attackers, Kamara only played 14 games, um, Odie only played 23, uh, Marvin Ego 10, Brock Madsen, 19. So I think that if they get a bit more luck and can get those players out there more consistently, then uh, then maybe losing Vito will be um, less, uh, less of a, a big deal. Um, Od was particularly good last season. You know, he got 13 goals and two assists in all competitions. And I think if they can, if they can get him cooking on uh, a, a similar uh, similar run next season. Then I think that um, I think that yeah, that they've they, they've got a, a good chance of of running Odense close. I think that their style is uh, incredibly high intensity pressing uh you know they get the most interceptions per match they make the most successful tackles per match uh they they won most uh final third possessions uh you know they get the most corners most offsides. so they, they, they're very um they're very busy in that attacking third and and uh, play a very intense style of football and I think that you know when you when you have to play in two competitions that style of football does catch up with you in terms of injuries and so I think going back to to, to one game a week is going to help them
0: Yes, so um, that is Randers in seventh place prediction. Now, eighth spot, Arus only survived by one point last year, Henry. So, this is quite a, although only a couple of spots higher in terms of prediction, it seems quite significant in terms of, uh, you know, compared to where they were last year. But uh, th- I know you, I do remember now, you said they were big time underachievers the previous campaign. They should getting back to where more is expected of them this year, yeah?
1: Yeah, you'd have thought so. I mean, uh, they only won six games last season uh, and actually only only one win this calendar year uh, and even in that game they were 2-0 down and won with a 90-second minute goal. Um, I think I talked about this on the uh, on the uh, season review, but the, 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 the statistics are just absolutely damning for them last season, so second fewest goals scored, fewest shots on target per match, fewest big chances created of any team, fewest accurate passes per match, uh, most most fouls per match for the second season running, most cards. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it, w- it was really a-, a poor season for them. But they've um, parted ways with the manager. Uh, they've brought in Man City legend uh, Uwe Rosler. And he talks about playing a heavy metal style of football so Jurgen Klopp style high pressing high energy very fast counter attacks and i think that that's going to be a shot in the arm for them um you, you know the season before last they relied very heavily on crosses uh, last season you know their passing was woeful um they had the lowest number of accurate passes per match and the lowest pass accuracy so i think that I think that that turning them into uh into more of this kind of like heavy metal style i think will be um will give them a way to hurt teams uh and i think that they've they've made some interesting moves in the market um they they weren't able to keep jack wilshire who is now retired uh but they they did bring in um tobias molgaard uh, from Vila, who's a very versatile player who can play at right back right midfield and defensive mid uh, and he's he was one of the big talents at Vila, so so that was a big signing they signed uh Mads Emil Madsen a former Danish under 21 center midfielder they signed from Slavia Prague uh, and he uh, has ruffled a few feathers feathers as a former Silkeborg player so there's a. Uh, Bad blood between Silkeborg and and, and Arus, so so uh, moving to their rivals uh, was certainly um, yeah c- caused a bit of a scene, and and then uh, a Norwegian uh, Norwegian player Sigurd Horgan, who you will know better than me, but twenty one goals last season in the Norwegian second tier, so um, yeah, could he be the answer to their goal scoring uh, question to you?
0: I think it's a really good signing. This is a fellow who was linked with the likes of Boudiglim to Mulder in the winter, uh, seen as an option for teams like that. So for a, a team that finished um yeah third bottom last year, uh, this guy is a three-dimensional forward, physical, technical, and he's got a bit of pace about him as well. And his last goal for Allison was a very good goal. Um, it was a one against Trump's godset. I think he'll get them some goals for sure. We've got Rosler, of course, in charge. As um, I think mean, he's an experienced manager. Actually, this is an interesting little uh, what little team, interesting team actually that uh, might do might be want to keep an eye on. I think Henry. They, they certainly have got my interest here, Varus.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that um, it was seen as a bit of a, a bit of a coup getting him in. You know, he's quite a uh, quite a big name. Um, obviously uh, had a a very uh, prolific playing career too Um, but yeah I think that style of of football is exciting Uh, and I think that after last season you know the fans in Arus really want something to get excited about Um, and they might well have it so yeah let's let's see how they get on but I I can't see them getting embroiled in another relegation scrap this time.
0: Now, last year, uh, V-Borg got seventh place, but you think they're going to drop down a little bit, this campaign down to ninth. Uh, what do you think is going to bring about that slide?
1: Yeah, I, and ag- again, I could be wrong here, uh, but we talked about the effect of the second season uh, for for a promoted team. Um, and I think that v uh with their... Potential European campaign. You know they still need to get through a few qualifying grounds, but um, if, if they get into Europe, I think that that's going to be uh, that's going to stretch the squad uh, considerably. I think also losing Lars Freese mid-season, uh, you, you you have to sort of uh, wait and see whether that's going to have an effect over a whole season. But I, I certainly feel like losing uh, losing him was uh, was a blow. Um, they they obviously lost uh, sebastian Groning in in january too and yeah uh last season only only michelin missed more big chances than them um it was 49 big chances missed uh that they had the fewest interceptions per match too uh, and so I, I i just wonder whether some of those things are going to catch up with them uh next season uh i could be wrong um, that they've still they've still got a lot of talent there in you know Christian Sorensen in uh, Jeppe Groning um and uh, i I, th- I think that there's still some exciting players there but yeah I just wonder if um, I just wonder if it's perhaps uh, not a season where they're going to be threatening the, the the top six and in fact might get into more of a relegation scrap.
0: They are actually with the bookmakers the biggest price out of all the teams that were, um, that stay, uh, retain, um, in from the super. No, it's not including the relic, the uh, promoted sites. Uh, a massive 250 to one sort of shot. So I think it's generally seen that they will kind of slide down um, a little bit this campaign. But w- would generally just surviving be a good outcome, do you think, for V Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that, um, I think that last season was really remarkable to to even have a, a chance of getting into Europe, um, particularly after after losing manager uh, mid season. So yeah, I think if they can just stick in stick in the league again, um, uh, make a few smart additions, uh, then yeah, I I think that will definitely be seen as a, as a success for them.
0: Who's a couple of key, key players for them this season?
1: Christian Sorensen. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk about him later, but he amazingly played all 90 minutes in all 32 games. Uh, So he was ever present. He was the most uh, creative player in the league by uh, a considerable distance. And yeah, he was just so important to everything they did uh, uh, operating at left back. I think it's actually the first time that he's played left back uh, for, you know, you know, for. For, for more than a game or two uh, in in his career. So he, he's really kind of found his position late in his career. He's, he's previously played higher up the pitch, but yeah, he was absolutely sensational. So he, he's a really key player. And then their, their captain, uh, Jeppe Groning, uh, who, who's a kind of midfield anchor man, uh, was second in the league last season for tackles one, uh, also second for fouls committed, but a, a really big presence in, in central midfield. Um, and yeah, but like breaks up the play like nothing else. So uh, the, the, those two are really
0: fundamental to, to, to what they do. Okay. Let's uh, move on to the team that you are predicting in 10th place, the final spot to avoid relegation. And who are you going with here, Henry?
1: So I'm going with uh, FC Nordland, um, which, uh, you know, I, I, I never like predicting them to, to have a bad season because I am I'm, I'm so, uh, bought into, to what they're doing and that the whole right to dream story. And I really like their their sort of, uh, the fact that they trust young players, uh, and bring through young players. Uh, I, I really like that they are, um, uh, sort of doing things differently. Uh, but I, th- I, I, I can't see past them really struggling next season. You know, that the, they're not just the youngest squad in the league, uh, and, and the average age of their squad is 21 uh 21 and a half and that's after adding a couple of sort of players at the more veteran end of the scale in, in January i think the nearest squad to that is Bronby at, at over 24 but you know they're one of the youngest squads anywhere in any of the the top Euro, uh, any of the major european leagues um and i think that that kind of uh beautifulness um you know there's it comes with two sides of the coin right it, it can be really exciting and you you know carefree exuberant attacking football but it also can mean that um you lack a bit of the experience to kind of grind results out or, or deal with with slumps in form and yeah I I'm I'm concerned about them uh only four teams scored fewer goals last season and You know, Simon Adingra was their top scorer, and he's now been sold. So I think you you remove Adingra from that team, and there's a real concern over you know who's going to score goals. And only the the relegated teams conceded more, uh, and of those, only only Vila conceded more shots. So you know they they're, they're conceding lots of goals, conceding lots of shots, and not scoring a huge amount. And that, to me, is a bit of a recipe for a struggle. So I've I've put them in tenth. I did toy with the idea even that they that they could get relegated, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, and I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that some of the some of the the the, the talents that they have really blossom this season and, and take them up the table. But it j- just looking at the squad, looking at how they performed last season, and, and you know particularly looking at them without Simon Odinger, I just can't see them uh having a, a strong season um just, just can't see it at the
0: moment that is a big sale that's a lot of money for a club like nausea isn't it i mean you would, would you expect them to invest in that money or do they did they need the money for you know to show up the finances and, and stuff like that
1: well they, they um they sold camel Dean Suleimana uh last summer for 15 million euros which is a, a league record uh, well actually depending on where you look it's somewhere between 15 and 20 million euros maybe so uh that th- they uh, i'm sure that that covered them financially for uh a while going forward um obviously a, a wasn't quite at that level price wise but still a-, a considerable fee i think it was uh uh what was it 7 8 million euros uh so that's yeah a very sizable fee um that they're not a team that go out and spend big money on on players uh, you know that they have got such a pipeline of talent coming through uh but at the same time I, I i really think that this might be time for them to to sort of dip into the market for an experienced goal scorer and i i say experienced i i just mean someone over 25 maybe who's you know scored goals at at the top level for you know a few seasons consistently uh, to lead the line I just think that's so important and you know they've got lots of the pieces to go around them you know you you, you put a, a top goal scorer with um you know Andreas uh Sheldrup at, at left wing you know you you give them Oliver Villardson bombing forward uh a, a sort of right wing back I think that they're gonna they're gonna feast from that but I think that you, you have to have someone to, to score those goals. And I just I, I look across the squad at the moment and I just I, I can't really
0: see where it's coming from. Yeah, so you got them in 10th place, with just surviving. Uh, now we're going to talk about the two newly promoted sides. Unfortunately, you are tipping them both to go straight back down. We've got uh, Horsens and Lingby, the That's two right. sides that uh, have come up. So... Who, um, in which order are you predicting them in, uh, Henry? Well, the first thing that I'll say is that I'm almost
1: certainly going to be wrong here in predicting both of them to go down because it's never happened in the Super League that both promoted teams have gone straight back down. Um, so I, I'm predicting this purely because I know less about these two teams that, than, than the others. Um, but I, I, I feel like from, from what I've seen and what I know, I've got Lingby in eleventh and Horson's in twelfth. I think if if either of those teams are going to uh, have a chance of staying up, it, it's it's certainly Lingby uh, for me anyway. Um, and yeah, should, should, should I get into a bit of uh, a a bit of uh, what you can expect from from those two promoted sides?
0: Yeah, I mean, let's just have a look. First of all, I mean, Horson's actually won the uh, first division last year, didn't they? Sixty four points. The so Lingby's uh, sixty three. Um, but um, let's start with the Ling because you're having them in eleventh in place. What um, what can we expect from from this team?
1: Yeah, so they they, they tend to um, they tend to play on the on, on the counter, uh, particularly down the left through both Sorensen and Kastrup, um, and uh, go for maybe a bit more of a slower style through the middle. But I think what was interesting is that they struggled when they had higher possession. Uh, in fact, most of their points came from. Having an average possession of fifty three percent, but as soon as their posi- uh, their pos- possession sort of got to fifty seven percent and above, they they tended to drop points. So I think it's going to suit them playing uh, playing on the back foot a bit more as they will in the in the the Superliga. Uh, they've got they've got a few sort of interesting players that I'm very excited to to, to watch more regularly. Um, Adam Sorensen, uh, left wing back, who's uh, twenty one, he looks particularly impressive as a kind of all rounder in terms of, you know, strong going forward, strong defensively. Um, he's, he's very fast and he was uh, the joint highest assist provider um, alongside Castro up last season with seven. So I think that, you know, if you're, if you're building your um, fantasy team at the moment, you know, he could be an interesting player to look out for uh, with lots of creation down that, that left-hand side. And, um, there's also, uh, Magnus Kastrup, uh, again, 21. So, so young guy, uh, and he can score with both feet. He protects the ball well. Um, and yeah, he was uh, a big part of, of their success last season. Um, and a, a player who was interesting because he sort of broke through later in the season, um, d- due to injuries, but a, a guy called, Casper uh, Danny winter, um, and he's only 19, but yeah, he, he came in towards the tail end of the season and, and didn't look out of place at all. Uh, and I think that he's a player who I think Lingby fans feel could, could be quite special. Um, he, he's a, a very adept passer. Uh, and even in that sort of cameo, uh, I say cameo, it was sort of 10, 11 games, but um, he, he looked like a, a really good prospect coming through. So yeah, I, I think they're going to be interesting. And that this summer, um, made uh, a, a signing from Nyga Bink, but but um, a player uh, that is being dubbed uh, the Danish Peter Crouch. Uh, so he's a six foot seven striker, Christian. He's got a good
0: robot dance.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, he he was the top scorer in the league last season uh, in the first division. So he's come in and, you know, at, at six foot seven, he's going to give them uh, something completely different style wise. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, to to see how how he goes
0: what how much of a big difference do you think there is between the first division and the SAS super league i think
1: the i i think that there's uh there, there's quite a big difference between the you know the top and the bottom of the super league uh, so i think when you get to the bottom of the super league the the difference in quality between you know that and the top of the first division is 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 pretty minimal but i think that you know, when you go from playing first division teams every week and, and then have to mix it up with um you know Copenhagen and Michelin and Bromby, I think that yeah, that, that there's that there's a clear difference there. But I think that you know that there's I, I wouldn't be surprised to see these teams uh scrapping out with, with some success with the likes of you know Nordsjælland, Viborg,
0: uh Arus perhaps. So the bottom team you're predicting is uh, Horsons. Is that how you pronounce them? Is it Horsens? I don't know, but um, <laughs> I think it's Horsens. Horsens. Horsens will do. So um, yeah, they've come back up, and um, yeah, but you think you're going to go straight back down here, Henry? Uh, let's enlighten us on this uh, this side.
1: Yeah, th- th- they're th- they're quite a defensive-minded team, uh, which which will suit them well. You know, they they play on the counter. Uh, typically, have uh, kind of three centre-backs and two quite pacey wing-backs with mostly sort of hard-working players uh, uh, going forward, but, you know, a couple of technically gifted players in in Tengstedt and uh, uh, Sigurdsson. and so, yeah, they've, they've, they've got a few players who will be interesting to watch. So I mentioned Kasper tengstet that he was the, their top scorer last season. You know, he plays for uh, Denmark under 21. And I think that yeah, he's a very good, very good attacking player um, and, you know, r- remains to be seen how, how he'll cope with the step up to Superliga. But I think that, yeah, he could be he could be interesting. Um and then, yeah, there's a couple of other players I'm looking forward to watching. Aaron Sigurdsson, the uh, he's a 29 year old Icelandic international, actually a former Icelandic international left winger, uh, played at Tromso and Start in Norway, so you'll probably know him quite well. But he was the he was the best player in in spring and certainly important in their build up play. Um, he got five uh, five assists and eight goals uh, across the league and the cup last season.
0: You you really worrying for for horses? Though you just don't think they're going to have quite enough to i mean it does help that the last 10 games are likely to be against well <laughs> against teams down there i mean it's not like you have to play fck four times at least is it
1: no that's true uh i i, I think i need to see them three or four times to get a you know a decent read of how they're going to cope with the the um the, the level up um but i i think that yeah the 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 player i'm most excited to see how, how he copes with the step up is uh Magnus uh Riesgaard Jensen who's a a a kind of a rare breed in that he's a a six foot five center back who also plays as a striker um (laughs) so last season he he played about two thirds of the games as a center back and a third of the games as a striker and ended the season with um 11 goals and seven assists and you know about half of those goals and half of the assists were were you know, as a centre back, so uh, and that that was in the league in the cup. But I think that he's you know, he's one of the best players on the team. He's got uh, he's a real fan favourite. And yeah, I, th- there's something about that ability to play centre back, centre forward. You know, <laughs> Dion Dublin esque. I I, I I quite like it when a player has a a completely um,
0: uh, unusual second role in the team. And Aaron Sigurdarson, I remember him from his time in Norway. I think he's actually got some Icelandic caps. He was a a very frustrating player that seemed to be on the cusp between like Obos level and Elitistarian level. But you could sense that uh, there was a player in there, if he sort of was more consistent, then he could be a big threat. I mean, back in the day, he had quite a lot of pace. But I think he's getting, he must be nearing on 30 now, I think. I think Um, he's 28. Yeah, so interesting player. Uh, He certainly got a bit of flair about him, I'll say that. Um, be interesting to see how, how he copes with uh, with horses. So let's go through that um 7 to 12 prediction again, then uh, Henry.
1: Yeah, so in seventh, we've got uh Randers, um, last season's sixth place dro- dropping into the, the the relegation group this year. Uh, eighth, we've got Arus, um, who uh, I'm expecting to to kind of find a bit of form under Uwe Rosler and 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 re- recover uh to an extent from what happened last season. Uh, then in ninth, I've got v 10th FC Nordland, uh, 11th Lingby and 12th Horsens.
0: Okay, brilliant. There you have it. The uh, season team season preview predictions from Henry. And now we're going to do your 10 to watch. We always have this uh, on the Nordic Football Podcast pre-season previews. So um, get, just first of all, let's run through the 10. Henry, give us the list. Yeah, okay, great. So uh, we're going to have
1: Mads Hermansen, uh, the goalkeeper from Brunby. Um We're going to have Victor Christensen, uh, left back from FC Copenhagen. We're going to have Jakob Broim, uh, left winger at Odense. We're going to have Andreas Sheldrup, uh, left winger from FC Norjland. We're going to have Rooney Bardagi, uh right winger at FC Copenhagen. We're then going to have uh, Sebastian Jorgensen and Nikolai Valleys, both of Silkeborg. We're going to have Mihailo Ivanchevich from uh, Odense. And we're going to finish with Raphael Onyadika of FC Michelin and Christian Sorensen of Viborg. Let's
0: start with the two FCK players, Victor Christiansen and um, Rooney Badagi. Badagi. So, yeah, Christensen, um, yeah. tell us a bit more about him, young, young lad.
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean, FC Copenhagen's academies produced, you know, a significant number of talents over, over recent years. You know, we can all think of uh, Mohamed Dharami, uh, Jonas Wind, uh, who both departed during the course of the season, uh, each in excess of 10 million euros, which is pretty monumental fees uh, in, in the context of the Superliga. But, yeah, Christiansen was... Uh, really, really Im- impressed me last season. He um, established himself in the starting 11 uh, straight away. And, you know, for a 19-year-old or uh, might be 20 now, uh, that that's really impressive. And I, I think that he's going to be, you know, one of the next crop of players who are attracting similar attention from top clubs. I think there was even some talk already this summer about Benfica sniffing around. But yeah, I, I think that despite the fact that he, he picked up a few knocks last season, he only made 21 appearances in the league. He, when he was fit, he was an ever-present fixture in their back four. Um, And I think what's really impressive about him is that he's got this fantastic defensive now, but also a really, really effective uh, overlapping runner in attack. Uh, And particularly when Mo Dorame was still there, that combination that he had down the left with him was absolutely sensational to watch. Uh, I, I think there's a you know, decent chance that the fc copenhagen will go into the group stage of the champions league this year and i think that would be enough to to keep christiansen around for another season but i think that you know he's already uh, a fixture in the under 21s for, for denmark and i think that it's not going to be long until um uh, you know big clubs come knocking for for a left back that has mm. so much uh, so much promise and so much um uh,
0: ability the net, now this Rooney Badarji. Yeah. Now Jonathan is known on this podcast as putting some really really young young kids on his tent to watch, and uh, it seems like you are taking a leaf out of his textbook here because this is a 16 year old, um, but he has he's made uh, several um, appearances uh, for the first team already. He so, has uh, an exciting uh, attack winger, attack minded player.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, actually, I uh, I was lucky enough to be at his debut in, in November, and uh, the, the 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 strange thing is, um, uh, well, well, not strange thing, probably a good thing, but um, the Superliga rules state that you can't play uh, you can't play in the Superliga till 16. So uh, FC Copenhagen probably would have played him at 15 if they if they could, but they they waited for him to turn 16, and uh, a few days later uh, he made his debut uh, in the starting lineup, no less. Uh, against arus and really you know really hit the ground running um he he was v- very lively in that game you know constantly looking for the ball constantly taking people on running uh he's a, a very kind of tricky dribbler left-footed right winger um and was kind of unlucky not to score in that game he won man of the match um scored a week later uh in the superliga fantastic goal from outside this outside the area and yeah he's um already playing for Sweden under 21s, I think. And it, it was just, yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, FC Copenhagen put out a documentary on on his sort of, uh, the year leading up to his, his debut. And you, you saw him playing for the under 19s and he just looked like he was a completely different level to all the other players, even though he was 15. And you, you wondered, you know, is this going to translate into, into you know, ability at first team level, where you're obviously playing, you know, against, uh, against um grown men who are very physically strong you know is a is 16 year old going to be able to handle it and yeah he, he looked uh he looked like a, a fish in water um it was fantastic so uh, i i i would say that it's worth kind of uh, remembering he's still going to be 16 when the season starts so don't expect too much from him but at the same time you know he was starting games last season uh, fairly consistently uh, and i think that Um, I I think that he's got so much so much talent and ability um, and seems to have a really good attitude Uh, I think that he's going to he's going to thrive
0: so two players to watch there from FCK Rumba Daji and Victor Christiansen now well let's move to the player to watch you've got from FC Michelin and that is Rafael Onyadika that's right right. Nigerian um, midfielder
1: yeah, uh and he he uh he really only came into the the Michelin team this past season. He was replacing um his uh Nigerian compatriot Frank Onyeka who departed for Brentford actually in a, a big money move by Super League of standards. I think it was another one uh in in the kind of um, double digits. Uh but he uh so he came into the team coming off the back of a, a really a superb loan spell at Federicia uh in in the um uh the division below uh at, he won a place in team of the season and yeah he, he came back and, and sort of uh took up this this position in center midfield with, with Evander and ended the season as the Super League as young player of the year which is uh no mean feat given how much talents in the in the in the league so yeah he just looked like he was the perfect uh foil for for Evander he, he's got a really well-rounded game that that combines great physicality and a superb footballing IQ. I think that he reads the game really well. Uh, He's shown a great ability to press high up the pitch. He often, you know, forces errors from opposing center backs. Uh, While, you know, when he's on the ball, he's got really good footwork. It makes him quite press resistant in that sense. And he popped up last season with with a few goals. Um, It was a notably good finish actually against, uh, against Randers from outside the box. Uh, Great bit of close control to score against Celtic as well in Europe. And, yeah, he's really just kind of like the archetypal box-to-box midfielder who can contribute meaningfully uh, at both ends of the pitch. And I think that it's pretty clear that he's going to follow in uh, Frank Onyeka's steps and go on to a a top European league sooner probably rather than later.
0: Brilliant. Let's move on to... um... A goalkeeper now I, I do love a goalkeeper i must say on these ten to watch lists uh, henry so i'm glad you've got one in mads Hermanson at Brunbury's he's already uh, got a decent market value and um is he sort of the next peter schmeichel <laughs> i mean he he could be peter schmeichel's obviously a, 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 a
1: that the kind of gold standard example of a, a young goalkeeper coming through at Bromby and, and, and heading to the national team and, and, and beyond. And yeah, um, uh, Mads Hermanson, you know, at 21, he's already represented Denmark at under 17, under 19 and under 21. Uh, so it's, uh, it will probably take Kasper Schmeichel hanging up his gloves to, to, to get into the, the national team, but he, he's the, the, the main successor. And yeah, he, he really, um, he, he is another player who just came into the team last season and obviously Bromby were coming in last season having won the title uh they they'd sold a number of players so obviously Jesper Lindstrom departed for the Bundesliga uh, but also their their title winning goalkeeper Marvin Schwab uh departed for FC Köln in Germany and so um yeah Hermansen came in and had a, a real presence you know I think like for, for a 21 year old goalkeeper uh to, to 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 come in and, and really sort of be so commanding in the box so vocal with his back line um he he talks about how he feels like he's the captain even if he's not wearing the the armband he, he has that kind of level of authority and I think that he's got the the trust of the defense too which is really important so yeah he, he doesn't feel like a 21 year old keeper um he had the fourth highest save percentage last season and um I, I think that he's a, a yeah, he's a player who's going to be on a lot of clubs radars uh, who are looking for you know a a, a keeper who's already uh, proving himself at a quite a high level uh, and who has plenty of upside still to go. Um, so yeah, he he's a, a really, really exciting talent.
0: I'm gonna to move to the more veteran on your list now, were Henry. Christian Zorensen at uh, v I don't want to leave him till last just <laughs> because they're the, one of the, the one of the lower ranked sides that you've done this year um christian sorensen uh, i know you're a really big fan of this uh, this guy aren't you?
1: yeah and I, I i think that it's uh it's obviously um it's quite easy to 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 pick lots of young talents on this list and you know that i i could i could have probably done a 20 to watch uh very comfortably um but uh, I, I, I thought I'd include Christian Sorensen, who's who's 29, um, but he was one of my favourite players to watch last season. Um, and, he, you know, lo- looking at some of the statistics, it, it's, it's quite mind-blowing how, uh, how productive he was. So um, he laid on a league-leading 118 chances for his teammates uh, last season, and that's 45 more than the player sat in second place, who is none other than Evander. So, you know, Probably the, the, the single best player in the league, Evander. And uh, yeah, Christian Soroson's there creating 45 more chances over over a season. And I, I think it's a travesty that he only finished the season with eight assists, which was still good enough for third overall in the league. But I think it was more down to the poor finishing of his teammates than any, anything else. If you look at his XA, it was 14.8. So you know, he should have had 15 assists uh, with with, uh, with average finishing. Um, but you know, as we talked about earlier, only Michelin missed more big chances than Viborg. Um, and I think that, yeah, he was so potent down that left-hand side. I think you can, you can tell that, uh, you can tell that he used to play, um, further forward on the pitch because he, he's so effective in, in, with that overlapping run, uh, has a great delivery, um, uh, but both, uh, both, uh, you know, on, on the deck and, and, uh, and, uh, in the air. So yeah, I, I think that he was a real key reason why why Vibe why Vborg were able to to claim so many scalps last season and, and get into the Europa League. So uh, watch out for him next season.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of including um, a veteran in there, actually, um, or older player. It doesn't have to be young players on this list, of course, at all. But um, we'll move now to Silkborg because you've got two players, uh, and you tend to watch from them both on the wings, actually, Sebastian Jorgensen. Nikolai Valleys. Now I remember Jorgensen. We had a big talk about him in the season review, didn't we? And you think he's going to go really well again? But overall, it looks like they are well, well sorted out. Wide Silkeborg.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- these guys are like uh, Jordan and Pippin. That uh, they've just got s- such a such incredible production, such a, such a, a, a connection on the pitch. Um, and yeah, it's really impossible to talk about how silker did last season without um w- without talking about these two players um they're almost te- telepathic and they're both inverted wingers uh so jorgensen plays you know primarily down the right but is left-footed and i would say that you know of, of the two jorgensen is is the, the most direct uh I, I certainly wouldn't describe him as a tricky winger uh, he's m- much more kind of like ruthless and efficient and direct and, and speedy. Uh, but yeah, he finished the season with, uh, 11 goals and nine assists and, uh, 68 chances created. So I think that was fourth for, for goals, uh, second for assists and fourth for chances created. So incredibly, um, productive player and yeah he he, uh, as you might expect for a left footer operating on the right he's pretty adept at cutting inside and shooting but I I think what what makes him so difficult to defend is he can also go on the outside and go on his right and so defenders don't really have an easy way to to uh to nullify him um and I think that I've said it before but I think there's every chance that 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 him and uh, Nikolai Valleys catch some teams cold in Europe next season, uh, particularly with um, Mark Brink sitting deep, uh, sort of feeding them. Um, but then on the other side of the pitch, you've got Nikolai Valleys. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess um, he, he was kind of equally dangerous. He got 10 goals, uh, which was fifth overall, and 10 assists, which was first overall. And you really shudder to think like what his season could have looked like if he delivered on more of the, the big chances he missed and he missed 11 big chances, only uh, Sebastian Groning uh, from V-Borg who, who left midway through the season missed more big chances. And I, I think that the, the two of them make that Silkeborg front three so hard to defend against. Um, you know, you've got Hellenius's physical presence uh, and, and obviously superb finishing, but then you, that that kind of creates a target for the wingers but it also draws some of the defenders attention away so it creates room for valleys and Jorgensen to kind of buzz into the free spaces and this kind of like quite fluid front three uh where the players are sort of constantly looking to exploit the space that opens up uh is is really um really fantastic to watch and I think as his as his statistics make clear you know both of them, you know, aren't just top class finishers or providers They're they're the rare combination of both, uh, and, and com- combine it with, uh, really intelligent off the ball movement, adept decision-making and, uh, particularly, um, Nikolai valleys is impressively two-footed. Uh, so yeah, I think that they, they were really thriving in that system under Kent Nielsen last season. And, uh, I, I can only envisage more of the same.
0: Yeah, I mean, you predicted them uh, high again. So, you know, a big part of their season is going to be on them two players, Sebastian Jorgensen and Nikolai Valles. Now, you've got uh, two more players from Modens, actually, Jakob Broim and Mihailo Ivanchevich. That's right, yeah. So, let's start with Jakob Broim.
1: Yeah, so he he, um, he kind of... uh, uh, is, is an 18 year old left winger uh, right footed left winger so uh, th- th- these kind of inverted wingers are, are, are very popular in the super league at the moment um and yeah he, he's he's uh, 18 he's only really sort of finding his feet in in senior football now um but uh, he's uh, he's he's turned out for denmark under 19s in fact he's got five goals in in seven appearances for them and he's a really um uh he, he's he's very much a kind of goal scoring uh wide midfielder or w- winger if you like and uh loves kind of dribbling down the left, cutting in on the right and, and smashing a shot in. Uh, he ha, has a, a shoot first mentality and he got four goals and two assists from from 840 minutes of football last season. So, I mean, th- th- that's a pretty good return for an 18-year-old and I think that he's going to be uh, a, a solid starter for, for Odense next season. So, yeah, I'm really excited about what he can put together and I, I think he's going to make the step up to the 21s uh, f- the national team. And I think that uh, if he can reproduce what we saw in that kind of limited number of minutes last season over over a full season, I think it's going to be uh, really exciting.
0: The other player is a centre-back, um, Mihailo Ivanchevic.
1: Yeah, but big Serbian centre-back. And I think that, you know, in a relatively short space of time, you know, a few months, I think he's shown glimmers of what makes him such an exciting prospect you know he's um very much a kind of modern style center back he's very adept at using both feet um he's got quite a, a, an aggressive approach to defending but then looks incredibly calm in in possession and uh is a great passer of the ball. I think that you know teams are always on the lookout for a centre back who's not just a lump, but can uh, can actually play the ball. And uh, it's a bit bit of a um bit of a reoccurring theme in the uh, in the Super League that there are defenders who can do that. So he's one of the the modern breed of defenders who can who can do that and look quite assured in possession. And he's also got a nice turn of pace. So I think that he's got a, a very well rounded skill set for a centre back. And I think that he could proved to be one of the standout defenders in the league, uh especially now that he's got half a season under his belt.
0: The final player on the list then, and it may well be the most exciting talent of a lot of them, Andreas Sheldrup, who famously of course came from the Buddha glint youth system over in Norway. Just an eighteen year old uh well, he plays everywhere and sort of attack, doesn't he, by the looks of it. But um This lad, there's always been a lot of talk about him. I know he's highly rated. He's already highly valued. And, uh, you know, he looks like the next big talent to come out of uh, Norgeland.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And at at 18, he's already got two seasons in the Super League under his belt. So I think that he really kind of typifies FC Norgeland's youth-led approach. Um, I think that he he burst onto the scene and... uh, um sort of midway through uh, a couple of seasons ago for 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 Norgeland and it looked like he was going to be uh, a sort of um immediate uh, immediate big hit and he he's been he's been fantastic i would say last season uh, he, he maybe his development didn't continue on the same trajectory as it had been looking at but he he's still to me one of the one of the like the big talents in the league um and i think that as you say he he's he's got that ability to play a number of different positions I think that in some respects he, he reminds me of a bit of a, a throwback to the the era of the kind of the classic number 10 or trequatista because he's got the ability to operate behind a central striker uh with a real kind of top level close control uh he can shoot from distance uh, he's a good finisher from close range too um but I think that his favored position is is more uh on the left as, a, as a, a sort of inverted left winger, uh, where he's able to find kind of pockets of space and, and sort of playing uh, playing in like a front three uh, suits him suits him best. But yeah, he feels you know f- watching him play, he looks definitely mature beyond his years. Um, I think that he's he's got a, a, a fantastic ability to avoid being pressed on the ball, um, but he's also able to to make. Um, Uh, decisions under pressure so whether 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 it's to pass or to shoot uh, he always seems to make the right decision Um, I I think part of the reason why last season his his development didn't continue on the same uh, at the same pace perhaps was that he he did suffer some injuries I think he only completed 90 minutes twice since the turn of the year but um, I, I, I think that if Norgeland can can bring in a couple more attacking pieces for him to work with I think that he should have the uh he should have the, the 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 players to really thrive next next season um in terms of his own personal development and I think like you say Norwegian football is very much um on the up at the moment with you know obviously you talked about Boda Glimt but I th- also Haaland and Odegaard and and uh and Hoger um turning heads in the biggest leagues in the world and I think that there's every chance that Sheldrup's name you know joins them before too long
0: yeah he is seen as this genuine wonder kid and a lot of talking about him as the next ha- Holland, not in terms of actual position but like in terms of talents. and it, it will surely be only a matter of time before a, a big team snaps him up he's already turned down Liverpool I think in his youth days uh, but Liverpool uh, are definitely has always been linked with this player how high is his ceiling?
1: Yeah, it's it's always hard to tell because uh, as as is constantly mentioned, you know, development isn't linear. Uh, I think if it was, then um, his ceiling is is absolutely colossal because of what he's shown already at the at this level um, at a young age. Uh, but I would say that I think that that maturity to his game. I think how well rounded his his skills are currently. I would say that. Next season's pretty key for him, I think, because uh, if he can stay fit for the season and 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 be uh, like an integral part to to, to Norgeland's uh, success, then I think that there's every chance he goes next summer. Um, I, I, I I don't I don't quite know how to predict his ceiling, but I would I, I mean, Harland is a that's a <laughs> that's a big one to that's a, you know a, a big person to follow, but I would say that um i would say that I'm, I'm i'm pretty excited by by what he can do and of this list of players i would say probably only uh only rooney is a, a similar level of uh of potential
0: well there you go that is the tensor watch for um for you there henry and uh, that is pretty much the end of this season preview and uh tell us a bit a bit more about where we can find you Henry tell us a bit more about your website you recently set up as well
1: yeah um, you can find me uh, on twitter at football in dk um, and you can find my website at uh footballindenmark.com uh where i've uh, tried to supplement what um, what goes on on twitter which is uh, sort of general <laughs> general commentary on on everything that's happening with the the superliga kind of uh, th- through, through the perspective of, of me as a, 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 a relative outsider to the league being a, being English and not living in Denmark. Um, and yeah, the, the, the website's intended to have some sort of longer form pieces and um, uh, interviews, opinion pieces, uh, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, do, do come and have a look and uh, love to talk Danish football with you uh, on Twitter as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, it's a great account. I would recommend anyone who isn't already following Henry there to to give it a go. And, and in, just in general, um, is your excitement level through the roof yet? I know you, you are going to be going out there to Denmark um, either once or twice. I think you've got to, some trips planned to Henry. You're really passionate about Danish football these days
1: yeah I'm, I'm I'm going in August and g- gonna be uh gonna be attending uh Lingby versus uh FC Midtjylland, uh followed by the, the Copenhagen Derby uh first time that wow. I will have been to a Derby so yeah it's nice gonna be gonna be a great double header uh really excited about that and uh, yeah it, even though the 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 Superliga season didn't finish too long ago. I'm itching to get going again. Uh, I've really missed having uh, having football at weekends. And yeah, it's um, not long to wait now.
0: Well, we appreciate your time as always here on the Nordic Football Podcast. An absolutely first-class season preview there. You absolutely know your stuff inside out about this uh, Danish Superliga right now, Henry. uh, Again, thanks for your time. And I'm sure we hope to see you on the Nordic Football Podcast throughout the whole season.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Cheers, Steve.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, that brings to an end this particular episode. Um, remember, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Nordic Foot Pod. You can follow me as well at Meatman Soccer if you so desire. And of course, Henry at Football in DK. So until next time, from me, Steve Wiss, and from Henry Nichols, it's goodbye. Take care. See you next time.